Welcome everyone to the Sports Injury Central podcast. I'm Thomas Casali with Pro Football Doc David Chow. Doc, it's combine time. Uh, the NFL, it, it doesn't have an offseason for long, does it? The Super Bowl feels like just ended about 10 minutes ago and we're getting into the combine. A uh, lot, of, lot of combine stuff in the news uh, before the combine, which is a little, little odd. Yeah, well, I used to affectionately call the combines Groundhog Day. Same thing every day, another 70, 80 players, four days in a row, and then you'd leave and you'd come back and you'd be in the same room the next year with the same teams. And all these people would come through, and honestly, as a doctor, you got to see them all, but it was a blur. You didn't really remember. Yeah. I mean, look, uh, I remember when Peyton Manning came through, and uh, there was an interesting little anecdote there. and. Perhaps, you know, back in the day when Michael Vick came through, there was a stir and, you know, you could see. But like in general, uh, you know, it's just player after player coming through. And I call it uh, uh, a necessary evil uh, or a Groundhog Day. But who knows? There, you know, there might be some changes coming and we can uh, talk about that. Yeah, we're going to get into that. And just so everyone knows, Doc's covered the Combine uh, numerous times as a physician. I've covered it six times uh, on the media end. So we've been to Indianapolis. We know what it's about. We know, like Doc said, it's kind of like Groundhog Hog Day. But hey, listen, let's tell everyone right now, if you're ever in Indianapolis, St. Elmo's, don't ask for a menu, shrimp cocktail, the steak, you're good. It's uh, world famous, right, Doc? <laughs> It is, and they even have those contests. I mean, one time they, we had the, I, I don't know how they have the picture. They brought out the fresh horseradish, and there was huge yep. horseradish, right? That's right. very spicy. And, and look, uh, I'm so old, Thomas. I've been there for 20 different times, well, 20 different combines. At one point I counted, I think I've spent triple-digit days in Indy in my lifetime between combines and recheck combines and some games. Look, I started going to, when I started going to combines, that Omni Severin Hotel was basically the only hotel. Yep. The Hyatt, the Hilton just opened. St. Elmo's was the only place. <laughs> the Peyton Manning place next door, the Harry and Izzy's, wasn't even open. Prime 47 didn't exist. The Galleria Mall wasn't there. There wasn't an ocean air. And this is now I'm talking about, you know, the, the old guy walking five miles uphill to and from school both ways. But yeah, I mean, a lot of changes. Doc, you're going to get into the medical side. You're also going to get into the why the combine is Indianapolis. And I'm 100% in agreement with you that that is the perfect spot for the combine. It's not made for LA. It's not made for those places because everything in Indianapolis is right there. And as you know, a lot of the combine is networking. And, you know, that's it's a perfect spot. But let's get there's been some talk lately. You know, Sean McVay isn't going to the combine. We've read some articles about has the combine served its purpose. I know both of us disagree that it has. And we believe that it will continue to go on for years and years and years. Let's set the stage here. Going to see Matt Carell throw isn't why the combine is there, okay? He's going to do that whenever, and scouts have, have, you know, up and down with Matt Corral. They're going to see him throw at some point. That's not the reason for the combine. The combine is more for medicals. It's for teams to talk to some of these players. And, and don't forget, as Bill Belichick once told me, and I agree with 100%, the combine is more for those fourth, sixth, fifth, sixth, seventh round guys to make some money. We always talk about the top guys, Doc, right? But you know from being there, there's a whole lot more to it than that. So why don't you get into the importance of the medicals and how you used to go about doing it? Sure, we'll talk about the medicals, but here's one of the other big um, misperceptions. I've seen a lot 
today, this morning about Sean McVay's not going. Mm -hmm. Why? Because the Rams don't have any draft picks. Well, first of all, the Rams have eight draft picks starting in the third round. Second of all, there's usually, there's 324 people invited this year. It's usually between 320 and 330. It's only seven rounds of the draft. Even if you add in supplemental picks, not every player at the combine will be drafted. So you're Right. right. The combine in a lot of ways is finding out about that small school kid who got invited or you know this uh rush end that's going to now do linebacker drills right uh in a different way there are other reasons and it's not look uh we mentioned peyton manning michael vick they didn't work out at the combines and they weren't going to and they don't need to matt corral even though he's not at their caliber with his high ankle sprain, can't and won't. He's got a pro day. Even if his ankle were okay, he'd rather throw at his pro day under controlled circumstances. He's throwing to receivers then he knows, as opposed to randomly paired receivers. Now, the receivers of the combine may be very good, but do you re- can you really count on them to be on the same page in terms mm-hmm. of where they're going to make their cut and break, you know, et cetera? And so there's a lot of things. But the other thing I can promise you about Sean McVay He's obviously a smart guy, and he may not be going. I guarantee you the Rams are going. I guarantee you their medical staff is going. And it's not like the L.A. Rams won a Super Bowl and said, we're not going to go to the Combines. That's not true at all. Sean McVay may be saying he's not going, but the staff is still going. But I do see, you know, and it may be just a product of the pandemic and more Zoom and other things. I have heard stories about other teams that aren't necessarily sending every single position coach, which might be a little bit of a new trend. But if you say the combines are done, I think you're silly because it is the only place where there are physicals. You can get college film. You can get private workouts. You can get, you know, all sorts of things in the pro day stuff. You cannot get a physical anywhere else unless you're using one of your visits on a player to fly him in and then see your team doctor. So the combines, as you say, physicals are still very important. Bill Polian, who's uh, an advisor, investor in our effort at Sports Injury Central, says the combines, the physicals are the most important thing by far. Uh, next up, as you mentioned, it may be some face-to-face interviews. Uh, the workouts, you know, they're somewhat made for TV, et cetera, and uh, a different uh, deal. But the physicals, you can't replace. And the other thing I'd say about the physicals, you know, some people would say, well, can't you get the college guy to give him physical and pass it on or the nearest NFL team mm-hmm. to do a physical? Now, that's kind of what happened during the uh, uh, Yeah, yeah I was just going to say. That's what it was. But here's the difference. Different, okay, I'm going to make a statement that I think will surprise some people. But if you think about it, it really shouldn't. Most people think a doctor is a doctor, so just have this doctor examine and evaluate the player, and that's it. But there's a lot of nuances, and I would argue the medical grade on an, on an athlete, on a player, is as subjective as the talent evaluation from the GM or the scout. Yeah, there are some measurables. This is your 40 time. There are some measurable. How much widening is there on an x-ray or, or whatever. But a lot of it is subjective. 
based on the injury, the imaging, the recovery trajectory, and it's not all the same. Many a time, uh, I've been in the draft room with my team, and, and our opinion has been different than perhaps others, and uh, that changes our team's opinion. And the other thing is, the medical doctors, at least I did, I got hints from the team of these are the players that we're targeting or to be able to answer specific questions about a player, you need that hands-on physical to see that evaluation yourself. Look, why don't teams just send one scout and take the scouting report? Obviously, any scout can time a 40, right? It's much. There's much more to it than that, much more art to it than that. And, you know, one team may say, there's no way we're touching this guy. And another team may say, well, as long as their doctor says we can get two or three years out of him, we're good because this is our window to win, you know, or this guy's not ready now and another team won't take him. Let's say Jeffrey Simmons. He wasn't ready to go coming off his ACL tear, but he certainly looks like a pretty good draft pick for the Titans now. He dropped. The Titans pretty much were saying, we're built to win. We can't get this quality player at our position. We're okay if he misses the bulk of his rookie season, and he'll be fine going forward. And that's what he's done. And another thing I'll let you in on, Thomas, is that when I started in the NFL, if I could give you a question from the GM, the GM would say, is this guy going to be our left tackle for the next 10, 15 years, right? That's kind of how they were drafting. But with free agency and salaries and salary caps, they only care about the first four or five. That's it. So that changes the evaluation a little bit. I mean, look, if you get four good years out of somebody and then he leaves and uh, you get a compensatory pick, you start over again, right, with, a, with finding a new guy. Obviously, you don't want to do that to your superstars. But the dynamics have changed. I mean, literally, the GMs were saying, can he get through the first contract? We'll worry about the second contract when we get there. And obviously, that means five years for first-rounders and four years for everyone else. But it, it, it's it's very uh, complex in nature. And as we get close to the draft, maybe we'll get into some draft stories and other things. Yeah, and, you know, I always when, – when I was covering the combine for the Patriots, um, there was a defensive end from Florida, Jarvis Moss, coming out who ended up going in round one who was being linked to the Patriots. So we were interested in him. And I remember he when he came up for the interview part, he had mentioned that – he had played through a knee injury and had it scoped after the season. Now, college injuries aren't the same as... Nobody knew about this, right? Like, nobody knew that this even happened until he went to the combine. So that's what I wanted to get your thoughts on, Doc. You know, because colleges aren't required to give out injuries... Yeah, we know about the torn ACLs to major players. But is this something in your experience, when you evaluated these players, there was things that popped up that maybe not everyone knew about? Well, of course. And quite honestly... Even if there were things known, I don't know that we believed them always. We always wanted to see firsthand. We wanted to see the op report, a new x-ray, a new MRI, a CT scan, you know, uh, nerve studies, whatever it is. We weren't relying on that because you could have a hands-on uh, evaluation. Now, for what we do now, Thomas, we'll rely on publicly available information as best we can and correlate it. But there's no substitute for a hands-on exam. And when you have that opportunity, that's what you do. And, and honestly, it's probably the one of the things I didn't love about the combines is I usually like, and my nature and patient doctor 
is you and the patient or the player are on the same side. Like people often say, oh, you're the team doctor, so you work for the owner, you're against the player. I never believed that at all because if you didn't take care of the player, A, you wouldn't be there for very long. B, the assets of the team are the players. So you have to take care of the assets. I mean, if you work at a bank, you have to take care of the money. You work for a pro team, you gotta take care of the athletes. They're the assets. So I always was in alignment with the athlete. But at the combines, that's what's a little bit unusual. You're not in alignment. You're almost playing medical detective to see what they have. They're all gonna say, my knee never hurts. Well, what about this swelling? It's not swollen. What about the swelling? Oh, well, it's swollen from the flight. I've never had a problem with my knee ever. You know, there's a, and, and, and I'm not saying they're lying. These are job interviews. And as I tell people, like, if you're going for a job interview and uh, you're not an expert at Excel spreadsheet and your prospective employer says, do you know how to use Excel? You say, yes, I do. Uh, you know, I mean, I've that, done that many lying. times. Yep. I mean, I mean, that, and, and so I don't begrudge any of these players for saying that. Saying that, I also can tell you a bunch of times we'd say a guy's not running, and and it's, and you say you have a hamstring, and I literally would ask him, is this really a hamstring or is this an agent hamstring? Because if this is an agent hamstring, I don't need to go through all the rigmarole. If the idea is you're just not ready to run your forty and you'll do it your pro day, that's fine with me, right? right? And so there's a lot of nuance to this whole story that you would get. But I didn't love the fact that actually when we examined those players, we did not have a doctor-patient relationship. Most of the time the players you know, may not even know who you were, right? I mean, I would try and introduce myself, but by the time they met 40 doctors, do they think they remember anything? And I wasn't there to treat them, I was there to evaluate them. And so we actually don't have a doctor-patient strict relationship in that way where we're on the same side. And that's the other thing that made the combines interesting. It was really detective work. And players complain about it all the time. I told the guy there's nothing wrong with my shoulder, but he still insisted on an MRI. That's because, you know, we everyone wants to be extra careful and make sure that they don't miss anything. Yeah, and uh, so we're going to have everything up, Doc, at asfixscore.com. You can go to at profootballdoc on Twitter, and we'll have a bunch of videos here, so make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel. I have a question for you, having done multiple uh, combines. the I'm sure, you know, teams took your advice, you know, most of the time. Was there a time or times where you said, don't touch this guy? <laughs> he, you know, he, he it's going to be bad news, and they ended up drafting him anyway? I would say... There were more times that we would feed information to the team and they would say, yeah, but he's just that good and not worry about it. Yeah. Right? Now, that's just the reality of it. And, and this is what I always tell, told my GMs anyways. The medical score is one grade, is one thing. It's like saying, this is his 40 time. He ran a 4.6. If you're telling me he's got game speed, and you want to draft it, go ahead. But understand, he runs a 4-6, right? Understand, this is his medical. Uh, and, you know, and certainly a lot of times the team would say, we like player A and player B about the same. Player B has better medicals. Let's go there. That happens. But let me tell you, if player A is the more talented and better and has a worse medical, uh, most GMs will overlook that uh, 
to draft him because they say this is my guy that I want. But I, as much as I say that, and I'm trying to say that so that people understand that I don't have an overblown self sense of self-importance. I mean, the bottom line is I'm just given a medical grade. But it's almost never that a team would say, we're drafting this kid anyways when you said don't touch him. But to be fair, I almost never said don't touch him. When I first came in the league, our team had something, Do you, does this guy pass or fail? And my question is, today, he fails. But that doesn't mean he always fails. Let's say today he fails because he has a meniscus tear, but we can fix that. Or let's say he has an ACL tear. Today he fails, but give me another year and he'll pass. So we would change our grading system. So I'd have things like, okay, this guy's a three, meaning technically he passes today, but he's almost a four and uh, he's not going to have a long career. So we had gradings like three plus L. So he's three almost to four. He really is borderline starting to fail. And he's probably not having a long career. And, and uh, you know, they would end up with a small red dot. Anyone who we truly said cannot play football. And out of the 320 guys, there might be one or two that cannot play football at most and will never play football. Right? Those are very few and far between. If you remember... I'll give a recent example. Maurice Hurst out of Michigan. Oh, he's got a heart issue. He's undraftable. And there was even a report afterwards that they thought it was irresponsible that the Raiders had drafted him. That came from a scout. I'm like, medically, that's not necessarily the case. I mean, he's gone on to continue to have a career. I forget how many years in he's he's been, but his heart hasn't been an issue. So very few of the 320 players will truly fail, as in never will be able to play football ever. There's a lot that, you know, out of the 320, there may be 50 or 60 that get downgraded significantly. And almost all of them have some sort of injury, right? Because they didn't get to where they are playing at least three years of college football without, plus high school, without having something, right? So uh, that's where uh, the art comes into play. Yeah, and Doc, when I think of the combine, there's always two injuries I, that always stick in my mind of guys who got hurt pretty badly at the end of the year. One was Willis McGahee, who uh, was shocking to me that he was able to come back so quickly and uh, get a, be drafted in the first round after that knee injury. And the other one's obviously more recently Jalen Smith, uh, the star uh, linebacker from Notre Dame who got injured in the bowl game and ended up going in the second round, would have been a, probably a top 10 pick. When you see injuries of that magnitude, um, is it easier or harder to diagnose in terms of where they're drafted? Well, it kind of depends on the individual circumstance. And look, there's the combines this week. And then six weeks from now, there's the medical rechecks. So about 50 or 60 guys will get invited back. So, for example, the two Alabama wide receivers that are at the top of the draft are going to be at combines. They're going to get invited back to recheck. The doctors know and the teams know they're not going to be 100% and pass six weeks from now. But what you're looking for is trajectory. This week, they get one data point. And in six weeks, they get a second data point. So the first one's here and the second one's here. It, it gives a proje better projection. That's the point of the recheck. It's very rare that something all of a sudden is 100% better in those six weeks. And so that's what you're looking for. And then, you know, you have to, like, qualify that with your team in terms of what they're looking for and what they're expecting in terms of from the player. But in terms of some of the players, like the, the worry with Jalen Smith 
was different than Willis McGahey. Willis McGahey did an, had an unbelievable recovery. There were some medical reasons for that in terms of there being a true repair as opposed to a reconstruction, and that's a technical difference. But the reason why Jalen Smith's career has not gone as a uh, you know game-changing uh, uh, linebacker, uh, once-in-a-decade guy, is because of the nerve injury that he suffered. It wasn't just the ligaments. When he injured it, uh, I still remember I was skiing with the kids and all these messages on my phone that Notre Dame uh, New Year's Day game. And I was like, uh, you know, multi-ligament injury, worry for the nerve. But I left him alone because, you know, name image likeness wasn't there. He's an amateur. We weren't. This is pre-Sports Injury Central, but even as pro football doc on Twitter, I kind of left him alone. Uh, and then there was a report coming from his agent that said, he had successful surgery and they looked at the nerve and the nerve was fine. And that got my attention because why do you look at the nerve if the nerve is fine? Why do you go dig up the gas pipe in your front yard to make sure there's no gas leak, right? You had to dig it up for a reason. It obviously wasn't working. That got my attention, but I let it alone. And, and Jalen Smith, a couple days before the combines, posted a video of himself saying, five weeks from his surgery, braces off doing well, and it showed him, and knee brace was off, and showed him walking into a weight room and starting to do some work. And everyone said, great, he looks great. And I looked at the video and said, yeah, but he's got this AFO, ankle foot orthosis on, that's for a foot drop. And he obviously has a nerve foot drop. And uh, uh, at this point, I was not in the NFL, I was doing this stuff on the outside, and I wasn't really even doing heavy media stuff, I wasn't there, but I remember someone from a New York newspaper asked him, so, you know, Dr. Chow from San Diego says you have a foot drop. They kind of called him out on it. And and people, uh, I remember I getting, getting a bunch of reactions like, why are you calling this kid out? I'm like, I didn't call him out. He put up social media video of how well he was doing. So I thought it was fair for me to comment on that social media video. He put it out there. And some people even wrote articles saying, you cost this kid millions of dollars because you're telling him when he's got a perineal nerve injury. No, not at all. First of all, all 32 teams were going to see him tomorrow. <laughs> and they're going to see what perineal, he has for his perineal nerve. So believe me, when I was on the other side doing the evaluations, I wasn't reading media reports of how the, what this guy was or wasn't. I was looking at him. And it would be silly for any current team physician to look at what I put out there. They, they get a better look. They get to look themselves. And so I pushed back and said, no, I didn't cost Jalen Smith any money. Now, Jalen Smith ended up going way higher than I would have expected. You know, high in the second round for your Dallas Cowboys because the Dallas Cowboys team doctor did the surgery. But I still said he wasn't going to play the first year, and he wasn't. I still said he, the foot drop's going to affect him changing directions. He had a lousy second year. He had a great third year because, boy, that guy is athletic, and he can hit a gap and accelerate. Changing directions was his thing. He got a new a big contract. I mean, that was great. Then... All of a sudden, people start figuring out in space, he wasn't as good anymore. And so kudos, he outdid what he was supposed to do with a perineal nerve injury. And now I think he's in New York, or I don't know where he is now. But Yeah, uh, the Giants is the last team that, that he was on, but it obviously never really fully the same player after that injury. Well, Doc, um, one player that is a top draft pick, one of the best players in the draft, uh, who is also coming off an injury, is Daryl Stingley Jr., coming off a pretty bad foot injury. Now, um, he said he's going to run and do everything at his pro day. 
My question is, is, is he going to be 100% by then? And uh, what are you expecting for to see from him at his pro day? Well, the reports are that it was announced somewhere early October that he had the injury and the surgery. The injury was probably late September. So if you take early October as the timeline, we're at about a little shy of five months right now. A list frank surgery can take between six to nine months to get to 100%. His pro day, I think April 6th, will he'll be a little bit outside six months, but that's a tight window. I don't know that he'll be 100%. And I think right now it's scouts, GMs, don't worry, I'm doing fine. I'm not working out the combine, I'll do pro day. He can change his mind on pro day at any point in time, right? But in the meantime, teams will have a physical now. And if they have any continued concerns about his trajectory, he'll get invited back to the rechecks in Indy for a second look in six weeks. And you don't have to be 100% by the day of the draft to get drafted. As long as you project, project to be healthy and your GM understands it. So, you know, cream rises to the top. If his college film is really that good, not working out isn't going to hurt him if he can show on medicals that he's on pace to returning to be 100%. If there's a question medically, then teams are going to want to see him do some sort of workout. So uh, we'll see, but I don't think it's a guarantee that he'll work out April 6th. Okay, and you mentioned the two Alabama receivers, two guys that uh, Stingley had to cover in his career, uh, John Mechie and uh and Jamison Williams, they were both injured late in the season. You know, Williams in the championship game, obviously. Do you have any concerns of them starting the NFL season on time if they're drafted? Or if you drafted them, are you expecting them more in October or November? Look, I haven't seen either one. I don't know how they're doing. Once again, they're probably rechecks in six weeks from now after the first visit. And they're going to be drafted. I mean, they're top quality talents. But if you ask me, are they ready week one? I I would say there's a chance they could be ready week one. Can they be at full production week one? Not a chance, okay? Let's roll back here to Odell Beckham, who now has a Super Bowl ring. He had an October ACL tear and did not start week one with the Browns and had a much slower first half of the season and ended up being traded and then flourishing. The second half of the season was pretty good for him. And that's what we said at Sports Injury Central. Look at the second half of the year. Well, these guys are late college season, later than Odell Beckham. Jameson Williams was a national championship game that he tore it. So that's certainly later. That's a short time window. But the other thing you have to, you can't forget is it's always easier to return to your same level of play than it is to return and jump a level of play. Those two Alabama wide receivers are elite and special, but they are also entering the NFL. It's not that simple. So I think they're going to lose a lot of valuable off-season time to learn the craft to be a wide receiver. I don't think they're going to be ready or at least full go for the start of the season. Certainly they can contribute in their rookie campaign, but I would expect it to be in the second half or later in the season. But no question in my mind there's whatever first season stats they put up, I take easily the over on the on the on their second year, uh, in terms of their production production in the NFL. But they're still going to get drafted. It just might not be by the team that needs a wide receiver today, right now, year one production, but a team that says they're extremely talented and down the road will take them 
to complete our complement of receivers. All right. Well, hey, listen, we're going to have a ton of combine coverage, and we also have NBA. We have Major League Baseball. We have everything at SICscore.com, at ProFootballDoc on Twitter, and make sure you subscribe to all our videos. Doc, I know we talk mostly football in this podcast, but before we go, I want to get your thoughts on the Major League Baseball lockout. We're, we're shooting this on Monday. There's rumors that it might end. Uh, who knows, right? Uh, with baseball, you can never come to any conclusions. But in terms of, like, players being injured you know, like I understand like if you're not coming off an injury spring training you don't really need it you just start the season whenever but some of these guys pitchers who are coming off injuries how much is it going to affect those players early in the season you know Lance McCullers of the Astros already said the the inconsistent rehab has affected him in his elbow and coming back so it is a real effect but I also wouldn't say oh the players are in shape ready to go they don't have an injury they're not going to have an issue it was shown very clearly in the COVID shortened year, there were more soft tissue injuries because they had a quicker ramp up startup because of the COVID year. It was also rule changes that year where squads were allowed to carry more pitchers, expanded rosters so that they could preserve pitchers. Soft tissue and acclimation injuries are the deal. And in the NFL example, uh, when there has been a shortened preseason, COVID, this, that, the other, there were more soft tissue injuries that leaked into the year. So it's not just injured guys returning, it's the healthy guys getting soft tissue injuries. And we're recording this Monday, and I know today is the deadline. I don't believe anything gets done today because this is a deadline, but I would say it's the first deadline. There's gonna be another deadline, right? I mean, in general, we've posted at Sports Injury Central through the pro baseball docs, et cetera, guys that have worked decades in the in Major League Baseball, that four weeks is the comfortable minimum. I mean, six weeks is ideal, but four weeks is the comfortable minimum. Opening day is March 31st. So in theory, we've got 31, 32 days until then. So I hope something gets done this week but even if it's not done today, I think there's sort of, you know, negotiation, a couple days extra room. If they can get close today, that would be fantastic, right? But if they go into next week, it will be real uh, that there may be a pushback and loss of uh, some games in that. And that really would be an unfortunate. All right. Well, we'll have all the updates at SICscore.com. Doc, thanks for the insight on the combine. I think it was, you know, very informative on get, getting an inside look on how injuries uh, go there and how important it is uh, for the medicals. I, I always believe the most important part of the NFL combine. All right. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. All right. We'll see you next week. This is Tom Casali for Dr. David Chow, Pro Football Doc.